Welcome to the You on the Camino podcast for and about first-time pilgrims on the Camino de Santiago in Spain with your host, guide and longtime pilgrim, Nancy Reynolds of the Camino Experience. If you are planning to walk the Camino de Santiago, you are going to be asking your feet to do something extraordinary. You are about to put them to the greatest test they likely will ever be put to. Hi, this is Nancy with the Camino Experience, and in this episode, we're going to explore how to prepare your feet for the task at hand and how to keep them happy while you train and then walk your Camino. We'll be getting back to our planning roadmap soon, the one that I've been sharing with you in previous episodes, in future episodes coming soon. But I want to interject a tactical episode that will enable you to get out there walking and will help you find your perfect pace and stride. I'm going to be sharing with you what I've learned over the past 17 years walking the Camino Frances route. Some of this I learned on my own pilgrimage walks, and some I learned while leading groups from Saint-Jean-Pied-du-Port in France to Pamplona. I confess, it took me years to get my footwear just right. And each time I buy a new pair of hiking boots, I have to go right back to step one, using the tips I'm going to share with you for selecting and breaking in your boots for the Camino. I will also share that in all my years walking the Camino, the only time I have had a blister was on my first walk in 2005, when I was walking in boots that weren't waterproof, and I had one day of rain, just one day. My feet got wet, and I got a blister on each of my baby toes, just three days from Santiago. Those blisters were so painful, I wondered if I would be able to finish. Footwear is so personal, so I won't be telling you what brand or even what style of boots or shoes to wear. Instead, I'll be giving you some tips to help you find the perfect shoes or boots for you. I'll start by laying out the task at hand, what your feet and boots will be doing when you walk the Camino. Why is this discussion so important? Well, I have seen some pretty beat up feet over the years. And I've heard numerous stories of pilgrims who had to get off their feet for several days while they waited for blisters to heal, throwing off their rhythm and schedule while their friends walked on. I've even heard of pilgrims who had to stop walking entirely, Camino over, because their blisters had become infected. So this isn't a tutorial on how to care for blisters once you get them, Rather, it's a guide for how to prevent them in the first place. Before I go any further, I have a disclaimer. If you have any foot issues, please see a podiatrist or orthodontist to address them early on. And my other standard disclaimer, as you listen to this and other episodes of this podcast, take what works for you and leave the rest behind. Let's look at the task at hand, what your feet will be doing. A typical day on the Camino will have you walking for four to six hours, on your feet, moving, with breaks throughout the day. 
You'll be carrying something, whether that's a fully loaded backpack weighing 10 to 12% of your body weight, or a day pack with just a few pounds or a couple kilos. You will be walking on a variety of surfaces. If you're walking the Camino Frances, about 30% of your walk will be on paved surfaces, which includes cobblestones, one and two lane country roads and motorways, which are asphalt, plus sidewalks and stairs, and a few old Roman bridges. The other 70% will be on unpaved surfaces, which will include dirt, small rocks, scree, and gravel. Some of these surfaces will be slippery and many will be uphill or downhill. By the way, I got these statistics from the guidebook by John Brierley. So if you're walking a route other than the Camino Frances, you should be able to figure out the percentages for your route using the guidebook from John Brierley for that route. You likely will be walking in different kinds of weather. It could be hot or cold, it could be wet or dry, or it could be all of those things. What does this all mean for selecting your boots for the Camino? You'll want to select a shoe or boot that gives you adequate support for the job. You probably won't need what I call badass hiking boots, like you would wear if walking the Appalachian Trail or climbing in the Alps, carrying a 50 pounder, which is about 25 kilo backpack, but you will want something sturdy, something with a no-slip sole, and possibly something that offers some ankle support. For me, that means no sneakers or trainers. I have lifelong knee problems, and I need something sturdy for those cobblestones and rocky surfaces, but something that's not too heavy because of all the road walking. You may also want to consider a waterproof boot if you'll be walking in winter or spring. The only way to know what's right for you is to try out different styles of boots and test drive them walking on different surfaces. <laughs> That's my current motto, test drive, test drive, test drive. So let's go shopping. You may be inclined to head directly to the shoe department at your local sporting goods store, but I'm going to suggest that first you visit the sock section. I start with socks so that when I try on my boots, I'm already set with what's going to go inside them. My standard philosophy with socks is to invest in two pairs of the best hiking socks I can afford. Those two pairs of socks will be my walking socks and I will alternate between the two pairs throughout the day. I'll talk more about that strategy later, but first let's look at the features of hiking socks. Hiking socks are designed to wick moisture away from your feet so that they stay dry. Moisture is the enemy, by the way. That and friction are what cause blisters. The ideal hiking sock is made from a blend of wool, nylon, and spandex. But don't worry, if you aren't a fan of wool, there are also synthetic hiking socks that do the same job. The key is to stay away from cotton as it holds moisture and is slow to dry. The next feature you'll be looking at is cushioning or the padding and weight of the sock. In my experience, the heavier the cushioning, the more luxurious the sock feels on my foot and the more warmth it provides. 
Warmth is great if you're walking in the colder months, but for the warmer months, you may want to select a light or medium cushion. The third feature is cuff height, which comes down to personal preference. The only guideline I'll offer is that you want to be sure that the sock comes up on your leg at least past the top of the boot. My favorite are the crew socks, which work with any pair of boots or shoes I might want to walk in. The final feature for socks is the size and fit. The goal is for your socks to be snug, but not too tight. If your socks are too big, they'll tend to bunch up and bunched up socks can cause extra friction and blisters. I'm between sizes and I find that I can wear the smaller size of socks because of the spandex in the fabric. It makes the socks a little stretchy. With any discussion of socks for the Camino, we have to talk about sock liners. Liners help prevent blisters by wicking moisture and providing a second skin. Some people swear by them and you may want to try them out in your training walks. But I will share with you that I heard from a friend who works at a sporting goods store that modern hiking socks are designed so you don't need to wear liners. She got that intel from the product reps for the sock companies. Another question that comes up a lot is, what about toe socks? These are the socks that fit like gloves for your feet and provide a little sleeve for each toe. Again, some people swear by these, so you may want to try them out yourself. I said before that I invest in two pairs of the best socks I can afford. I also want to mention that I take with me a third pair of socks to wear in the evening after I've showered and at night in bed. For me, this feels like pure luxury to slide my tired feet into a pair of clean, fluffy socks and kick them up on a bench or chair to rest. Oh, you know, while sipping a glass of wine, or if it's really hot, an ice cold glass of draft beer. Okay, that's your socks. Now let's talk about your boots. What kind of shoes or boots do you want for the Camino? I have seen it all. Many of the albergues or pilgrims hostels have what I call a boot parking lot, a place where pilgrims drop their boots on the way into the building before they head to their sleeping rooms. I've seen sneakers or trainers, hiking sandals, high top and low top hiking shoes, trail runners, and badass hiking boots. The only way to know what is right for you is to try on some different styles and walk around in them. Here are some tips for your boot shopping excursion. First thing, this might take some time, so be sure to eat or snack and hydrate before you go. In my experience, shoe shopping while hungry <laughs> can turn cranky pretty quickly. As hinted about a few minutes ago, you'll want to bring along the socks you're going to wear. And if you wear orthotic insoles, you'll also want to bring those along as well. When you get to the shoe department, tell the salesperson what you're planning to do and what kind of weather you'll be walking in. Ask if they have any similar experience. They may be able to make some recommendations. You may even find a salesperson who has walked the Camino. Before you go any further, get your foot measured. When was the last time we did that as an adult? A good sales rep will be able to measure your feet with one of those slidey metal things and then recommend styles based on the shape of your foot, whether it's narrow or wide. Once your foot's been measured, then ask to try on boots a half to one size larger than your measurement. 
This is because your feet will swell as you walk the four to six hours each day on the Camino. When they bring you the boots and you first take the boots out of the box, start by loosening the laces all the way down to the toes. Then slide in your feet and tighten the laces to your comfort level, starting with the toes. This is something I just learned. I recently bought a pair of Oboz hiking boots, that's O-B-O-Z, which are the same boots I've been wearing for years. But I bought them online this time instead of in the store, and my feet were the first ones ever to try them on. The laces were so tight coming from the factory that I had to squeeze my feet in, and oh my goodness, that first day of walking around the house in them, until I figured this out, was miserable. Once the boots are laced up, now let's be sure you have enough room for your feet to swell without making you miserable. What you wanna do once they're laced up is kick your foot behind you and tap your toe on the floor to get your toes all the way to the front of the boots. And then check that you have a full finger width of space in the heel. Just slide your finger in between your heel and the heel of the boot. If the finger fits, you've got the right size. Then kick your heel on the floor to get your heel back and lace up those boots the way you want them. Next step, take a walk around the store. Walk on all surfaces available, if that's carpet or tiles or hard floor. If there are stairs, go up and down the stairs. And check to see if they have one of those big fake rocks that you can use to test the feel of the boots going up and downhill. And if they do, play on that for a bit. Here's my thought. With the exception of perhaps needing to add your own orthotic insoles or footbeds, your feet should love the boots right out of the box. I'll say more about that in a couple minutes. Next step, ask about the return policy. Some stores in the US have incredible return policies and they allow you to take the boots home, try them outside, and if they don't work, bring them back for a full refund. This may be a uniquely American characteristic in the world of retail though, so it's definitely worth taking the time in the store to be sure your feet love the new boots. And now, head home and start walking. There's one more thing to consider before we move on to our next topic, and that is, are hiking sandals an option for you? They are for many pilgrims. On my spring 2022 walk, I met an American pilgrim. Oh my gosh, his feet had been torn up by his boots, so much so that he had ditched his boots and switched to hiking sandals mid-camino. His name was David, and he is the one who inspired me to dedicate an entire episode to the importance of selecting your Camino footwear and preparing your feet and body to walk the trail. The process for selecting hiking sandals is the same as for selecting boots. Get your feet measured, try on the sandals, walk around, and be sure they love your feet right out of the box. And do note that with sandals, you can't add in any insoles or orthotics, so be sure your feet love the arch support that the sandals come with. Now we're ready to move on to our next topic, perhaps the most important of this entire episode, and that is to break in your boots or shoes or sandals. I can't overstate this. It's so important. From what I've seen over the years, the most and greatest physical problems on the Camino 
are caused by pilgrims not being used to their footwear. But I want to explain what I mean by breaking in your boots. For years, when I heard the phrase breaking in your boots, I thought that meant that the boots themselves weren't ready for the walk and had to be softened up or they had to become acquainted with my feet. Now I think it means something different or at least something more than that. That's because in my experience, the types of boots or shoes you'll be wearing on the Camino come already fairly soft and pliable. They're not hard and stiff and rugged. And to my earlier point, I think modern hiking boots should love your feet right out of the box. No pinching, no rubbing, no pain while you're in the store. So rather than do anything to the boots, I now think it's your body that needs to become used to them. And it's not just about the feet. It's about the entire body, the muscles in your legs and back, the hip and knee joints, how your feet rub inside the shoes. New boots will even change your gait and your posture. Let me give you an extreme example, wearing heels. Anyone who has ever worn ladies' high heels knows that everything feels different in heels than it does in flat shoes. Certainly our posture and gait change when we wear heels, but also we use the muscles in our calves and around our knees differently. The joints are positioned differently. And of course, our feet rub differently because they are in a drastically different position in heels than in flats. That's an extreme example, but even with a minor change, the body shifts and has to adapt. Here's another example, less extreme. That new pair of oboes I mentioned a few minutes ago. I thought I had bought another pair of a boot that my feet and body loved, but no, After 45 minutes walking around the house in the new boots, I realized the design had changed. And I knew that because the muscles in my back were seizing up. The boots had a different drop from the previous pair. The drop is the difference in height between the heel and the forefoot. And that difference caused my posture to change enough that my back started to hurt. Breaking in those boots means spending enough time in them so that my muscles get used to the adapted posture and changed gait. Honestly, though, it might not happen with those boots and they may have to go back to the store. There's one other thing that I changed with those new boots and that was the insoles. I wear special prescribed insoles in my shoes to give me the arch support my feet need and I stuck a new pair into those boots. I knew from experience that changing insoles can also change the game. So I will try a different pair before I take the boots back. We'll see how that goes. How do you know if you need special insoles? A visit to a podiatrist or better yet to an orthotist can answer that question. And it's well worth the effort to get that visit in long before you get to your starting point on the Camino. Let's say you've worked out the best solution for your feet in terms of socks, boots, and insoles. Now what? Now it's time to walk and walk and walk some more. Training for the physical aspect of the Camino is an important part of your preparations and one I will do an entire episode on in the future. For now, I want to share a few tips 
on how training for the Camino relates to your new socks and shoes and the main reason we talk about this so much, and that's preventing blisters. You could skip this discussion and not train, not break in your body to your boots, and you might have a perfectly lovely Camino experience. You would be very lucky indeed. But I would like to see you hedge this bet and get ahead of any problems before they arise. Here we go. As I mentioned before, blisters are caused by friction and moisture. Every time you change terrain, meaning going uphill or downhill, walking on flat surfaces or on scree or rocks, and every time you add to or subtract from the amount of weight your feet are carrying, you change the amount and location of friction on your feet. Did you follow that? Every change you make could potentially cause a blister. So the more changes you can make before you go to the Camino, the more test driving you can do, the more training scenarios you can engage with, the better. Test drive, test drive, test drive. Here are a few of the top scenarios I recommend you walk through before you get to the trail. One, walk on all types of surfaces, asphalt, cobblestone, dirt, gravel, sand, sidewalks, up and down curbs. Two, go up and down hills and stairs. Three, walk for hours and days carrying your backpack or day pack loaded to its Camino weight. Four, walk for hours and days not carrying your backpack or day pack. And five, walk, walk, and then walk some more. While walking, pay close attention to how your feet rub inside your boots. If you start to feel a hot spot or a place where your boots are rubbing, immediately pull over and take care of it. Take care of it means to apply a piece of tape to the area that's rubbing. If you're on a budget, you can use a piece of duct tape, something that many of us have lying around the house or garage. That might sound a little crazy, but it works. And the duct tape will fall off in the shower so your feet will be able to air out in the evening. I carry duct tape by wrapping about 10 inches of it around each of my trekking poles, so it's always handy. You can also use other kinds of tape, like leukotape or kinesiology tape, which is referred to as KT tape, or even moleskin. These kinds of tape work well on most of the foot, but I find that taping up toes is a special task that requires something different. For toes, I find that the super thin paper first aid tape works well, as it can be wrapped around the toe several times, without adding bulk within the socks and shoes. And then I find that it's wise to wrap up the neighboring toes too, so they aren't aggravated by any seams or flaps of tape on the next toe. The key is to apply the tape immediately when a hot spot occurs, or even preventatively before you start walking for the day, and not on top of a blister that's already formed. Once you have a blister, you need a totally different response. I have to also mention something that many pilgrims swear by, and that's slathering your feet with Vaseline 
or applying a product like Body Glide before you put on your socks and boots in the morning. Personally, I'm not a fan of having goopy stuff on my feet, but as I said, many people swear by this method of blister prevention. So now I'm imagining you on the Camino, feet and body fully prepared, backpack loaded, feeling the freedom and anticipation of a long walk ahead of you and meeting new people from around the world. I'm seeing a beautiful day with a blue sky filled with puffy white clouds, which leads me to my final blister prevention tip. And that is to every hour or so, stop, take a break, take off your boots and socks, air out your feet, and after 10 minutes or so, put on a dry pair of socks and get your boots back on. Then before you walk on, pin those sweaty socks to the back of your backpack so they can dry out in time for your next break. I know, this sounds a bit excessive. Every hour or two, how will you ever get where you're going? And then there's the practical consideration. How do you do this if it's raining? Well, then you probably wouldn't which is when you will be so incredibly grateful that you prepared your feet and conditioned them not to get blisters in the first place. The moral of this story is to start the process now when you are at home and training for your Camino walk. Your feet will thank you again and again and again. The final thing I want to mention is something that I don't see talked about very much, and that is that there is more than one way to lace up your boots. If you find you're having trouble getting comfortable in your boots, if they're pulling or tugging or squeezing your feet in a particular area, you may benefit from a different lacing pattern. A simple internet search will yield some ideas. For example, I did a search for how to lace hiking boots and several interesting articles came right up. I'll put the URL for one of them in the notes for this episode. I think that covers everything I wanted to share with you about boots and socks and getting your feet ready for the Camino. So let's wrap up with this episode's top tip, and that is the S-hook. Shortly after my first Camino walk in 2005, I was shopping somewhere in another country in one of those fun fair trade import stores. And I came across a bamboo hook shaped like the letter S. I remember picking it up and looking at it for a minute or so, turning it around and upside down as something fired in my memory. And I began to sense its usefulness. Anyone who has stayed in a hostel, probably anywhere in the world, and certainly anyone who has stayed in albergues on the Camino, knows that the bathroom facilities are woefully lacking in places to hang your clothes and toiletries while showering or getting dressed or brushing your teeth. There simply aren't ever enough hooks in the bathroom. Enter the S-hook. This is a piece of metal or plastic or bamboo, shaped like the letter S, that is anywhere from around, say, three to five inches long, which is about eight to 12 centimeters, that fits over a door of a toilet or shower stall, or over a shower curtain rod. The top curve of the S goes over the door, and then you hang your clothes or toiletry bag on the bottom curve of the S. This gives you a hook 
when there are none, and it doubles the capacity of an existing hook if there is one. Where do you get these S-hooks? Well, you certainly could find them online and likely at your local hardware store, but you definitely can get them in Spain along the Camino. One of my favorite stops in just about any city on the Camino is the variety stores that go by the name of something like Asia Bazaar or Bazaar Oriental. As you might guess by the names of the shops, they are filled with items imported from Asia. These shops sell everything, and most items are at comfortably low prices. The S-hooks will be in the hardware section. One word of caution, keep an eye on your S-hook. I have left not a few of them behind in albergue bathrooms because I forgot to grab them from the shower door. Well, that's it for this episode. Thank you for joining me for the You on the Camino podcast. If you would like to know when future episodes are ready for you, click the subscribe button. I look forward to the next time we're together to talk about your Camino experience. Bye for now. Would you like to share your story of getting ready to walk the Camino de Santiago and receive some personalized guidance on your planning and preparations? If you have not yet walked a Camino and would like to be a guest on this podcast, please email nancy at thecaminoexperience.com or go to the website thecaminoexperience.com for more information.